is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Live on the Worldwide Sports Network on this beautiful Thursday, December the 8th. In the house with your boy Trey Larkins from the Wise Guys Sports Show. Come on in and stay a while, folks. Another production from the Wise Guys Sports Show from your boy Trey Larkins. Everybody remember, go and follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys. No sports. We got an action jam-packed show tonight. We got some big-time guests on the show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We got my man Tony Hollinsworth. He's going to join the show here in a bit. Talking about some college football and the college football playoff matchups. We got Georgia versus Ohio State. And we got Michigan versus TCU. And also, we have the Heisman Trophy presentation. This weekend in New York, so definitely excited to bring my man Tony on to discuss some college football. And later on in the show tonight, we have a special guest appearance from sports writer for the Sports Illustrated, and he is the host of the Red Diamond Report podcast. His name is Wilton Jackson. He's going to join the show tonight and talk about some NFL and NBA college football and his thoughts on the Deion Sanders situation. Deion Sanders is now the head coach of Colorado. He left Jackson State after three seasons. And this year, the Jackson State football team won the SWAC championship and Deion Sanders departed for Colorado. So I'm going to talk about that with Wilton Jackson a little bit later on in the show. But it is NFL week 14. Let's get into a few matchups for week 14. We're going to start off in the Bay. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are favored by three and a half points. It's a 425 kickoff. The over-under for this matchup is 43.0. We got Brock Purdy versus Tom Brady. This is Purdy's official first start. And when I look at this matchup, let's start off with the Buccaneers because 
the Buccaneers, six and six on a season. They are first right now in the NFC South. And honestly, throughout the season, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been very inconsistent. You look at them offensively. They're obviously led by Tom Brady. Tom Brady got 16 touchdowns, three interceptions. He got 3,332 passing yards, quarterback rating of 91.6 for the season. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensively have been inconsistent all season long. You look at their statistics as an offense. They're ranked 20th in total yards averaged per game. They average 351 yards per game. They are ranked dead last at running the football at 32nd in the NFL. They only average 74 rushing yards per game. This is a team that has Leonard Fournette. And I think Leonard Fournette, in the right situation, can still be a dynamic running back. I love Fournette coming out of LSU. And even in the first few years of his career, I thought Fournette was a major piece for the Buccaneers. He was a major factor on their Super Bowl run a few years ago. But this season, Fournette has not been very good. He got 145 carries, 511 rushing yards, averaging 3.5 yards per carry, only three touchdowns on the season. So that is the weakest part of this Buccaneers offense. It's their running game. They got the worst rushing attack in the NFL, so they have to rely on Tom Brady in order for their offense to flow. It's bad when you're relying on a 45-year-old quarterback to carry your offense. We know Tom Brady, seven-time Super Bowl champion, won multiple MVPs in his career, multiple Super Bowl MVPs. He's considered the GOAT amongst a lot of people. But even at 45 years of age, Tom Brady needs a little help around him. And a running game for the Buccaneers would definitely help. But they just don't have it. They don't have it this year. And that's the reason why they have struggled in the first 13 weeks of the season. That's, that's the reason why they've struggled. Now, we know they got weapons like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Julio Jones. Even though Julio Jones is out of his prime, Julio Jones can still be a factor in your offense and still play a major role in you being able to win games. So they got weapons offensively for Tom Brady to throw the football to, but they're a one-dimensional football team. They're similar to the Rams. The only thing that's helping the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out right now is the fact that they play in the NFC South. That's it. If the Buccaneers were in a competitive division, the Buccaneers would not be considered a playoff team. They would be fighting for their playoff lives. But when you're going up against the likes of the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints six games during the season, you're going to win games that you probably should lose. They should have lost that game on Monday night to the New Orleans Saints. The Saints could not deliver a knockout punch against the Buccaneers. I, I look at the score. And it was 16 to 3 for an eternity. For an eternity. And I'm thinking if the Saints don't score another touchdown, it's a great possibility Tom Brady is going to put together two drives and win this game. And people are going to think that the Buccaneers 
are contenders in the NFC, and that's not the case. That's not the case. It's just the Saints didn't have the firepower to knock out the Buccaneers on Monday Night Football. But we know the 49ers have the firepower to do so. Because despite them being led by Brock Purdy, they have at receiver Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, two electrifying receivers in their offense. They got George Kittle, a top three tight end in the NFL. And in the backfield, they got Christian McCaffrey, who they picked up midway through the season. And that probably was the biggest acquisition during this regular season. The probably was the biggest one amongst playoff teams. The 49ers going out and getting Christian McCaffrey, bringing him into this Kyle Shanahan offense. Offensively, the 49ers, they're ranked 10th in total yards, average per game. They average 370 yards per game, 24 points per game. That's ranked 13th in the NFL. So I said this on Tuesday night show that even without Jimmy Garoppolo, I believe that the 49ers are still contenders, not only in the NFC, but in the NFL overall because of their style of play. Brock Purdy could step in and manage the game the same way Jimmy Garoppolo did. The same way Jimmy Garoppolo managed the game for the 49ers to be contenders over the last few years, Purdy can do the exact same thing. This is not Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or Tom Brady that we're talking about. This is Jimmy Garoppolo, okay? Make no mistake about it. Jimmy G was never to be confused with an elite quarterback, ever. Now, someone may counter my argument with the win-loss record for Jimmy Garoppolo because you look at the 49ers. This is with Jimmy G as their starting quarterback compared to other quarterbacks in that system. The 49ers under Jimmy Garoppolo are 42 and 19. With other quarterbacks, they're 9 and 29. They average 26 points per game under Jimmy G. They average 22 points per game other, under other quarterbacks. Now, the other quarterbacks who've played under Kyle Shanahan are the following. Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, Brian Hoyer. Those are the quarterbacks who played under Kyle Shanahan besides Jimmy G. Trey Lance played at the beginning of the season, but his career is unknown. He's young. But those other three quarterbacks in Mullins, Beathard, and Hoyer are below average quarterbacks. So people want to say that, oh, the 49ers, they win games with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm. And they compare it to the games that Jimmy G didn't play in. But I think that speaks to how terrible the other quarterbacks have been on this 49ers roster. Mullins, Beathard, and Hoyer are pathetic. They're pathetic. Imagine if the 49ers had a Tyler Huntley or even a Cooper Rush. Their win-loss record would not be as bad as it is with Huntley or Cooper Rush with Kyle Shanahan as their head coach. So I think that narrative that oh, Jimmy G is a winner, and the 49ers are winning games with Jimmy Garoppolo as their starting quarterback compared to other quarterbacks is more about the other quarterbacks and how incapable they are at being able to be competent quarterbacks in the NFL. That's how I feel about it. That's how I feel about it. I'm going to stand on that. And you look at the 49ers quarterback depth chart now. 
They got Brock Purdy starting. He was a seventh-round pick in last year's draft. They got Josh Johnson, who they signed off the Denver Broncos practice squad. And they got Jacob Eason. They signed him off the practice squad as well, November 15th. That's their quarterback depth chart today. I thought they were going to go and make a run for Baker Mayfield. He got claimed by the L.A. Rams. So this is who the 49ers are going to have for the foreseeable future as they go on their playoff run. Brock Purdy, Josh Johnson, Jacob Eason as their starting or as their quarterbacks in their depth chart. That's what they got. But with all that being said, I believe that the 49ers are more of a complete football team than the Buccaneers are. I believe that the 49ers defense is the best defense in the NFL led by D'Amico Ryans. I love that 49ers defense. Defensively, the 49ers are top five in a lot of major categories. They only give up 304 total yards per game. That's ranked first in the NFL. They give up 76 rushing yards per game. That's ranked first in the NFL. And they only give up 16 points per game. That's ranked first in the NFL. With that being said, I'm going to roll with the 49ers to beat the Buccaneers in the Bay Sunday afternoon. I'm going 49ers 24, Buccaneers 14. People are out there that are going to perceive this matchup as being a game where the Buccaneers could steal one on the road because you're looking at the quarterbacks in Tom Brady versus Brock Purdy. Give me the 49ers over the Buccaneers all day long and twice on Sundays. 49ers, 24, Bucks, 14. Everybody remember to go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming at the break, I'm going to preview the Dolphins versus the Chargers matchup on Sunday Night Football. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. They're live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. 
Be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Don't forget tonight we got some big time guests on the show. We got my man Todd Hollingsworth, who's going to come on the show and talk about some college football. And later on the show, we got Sports Illustrated writer and host of the Red Diamond Report podcast, Wilton Jackson, who's going to be joining the show tonight to discuss some NFL, some NBA, and his thoughts on the Deion Sanders situation in college football. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Call into the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655 is the number two dial. It is NFL Week 14. So let's transition to a big-time matchup in the AFC as we got the Miami Dolphins traveling to the West Coast to take on the L.A. Chargers. The Miami Dolphins are favored by three points in this game. It's an 8-20 kickoff on Sunday Night Football. The over-under for this game is 52 points and Tua Tagovailoa was talking to the media about this matchup against Justin Herbert earlier this week. Take a listen. Uh, he's a great player. You know, you can't can't say anything bad about this guy. Like he I mean he's good. He can run, he can throw, he can throw on the run. I mean he he can do a lot of things and and it's it's pretty remarkable. So um you know I I have nothing but respect for for him and uh, his game too. I feel that uh, I've been very blessed to, to have gotten chosen, regardless of if I got chosen before him or after him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just happy to be where I'm, I'm at. Um, I don't think anything of it. You know, I, I know everyone else outside of um, our building and, you know, fans want to make speculations about that. But uh, for, for me, you know, I'm, I'm just very fortunate, very blessed to be in, in this position. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let everyone else handle handle the, the talking with that. And, uh, you know, that's that's my stance on it. That was Tua Tagovailoa speaking about his comparison to Justin Herbert. When I look at these two quarterbacks, before this season, I felt like Justin Herbert was better than Tua Tagovailoa. And I love Justin Herbert's arm strength, his athleticism and how he's played the quarterback position since he's been in the NFL over the last three years. He came into the NFL in 2020. These are his career statistics. He got 89 touchdowns, 32 interceptions, 12,689 passing yards. He's completed 66% of his passes. I love Justin Herbert as a quarterback. Again, his arm strength is off the charts. Like, when I look at young quarterbacks and I compare them to older quarterbacks, I look at Justin Herbert. Like, I could see him being Aaron Rodgers if he continues to get better and work hard. I view Justin Herbert like I view Aaron Rodgers. They are both very, very talented quarterbacks, and they are athletic. Their arm strength is off the charts, and that's how I look at Justin Herbert. Now, when I look at Joe Burrow, I see Tom Brady. 
I don't look at Joe Burrow as being super athletic or basically being the more talented quarterback when I compare him to Justin Herbert. I know we're talking about Tua and Justin Herbert. I'm just comparing. Joe Burrow, to me, is like Tom Brady. Like, he's not the most talented. He's not very athletic. But Joe Burrow has great leadership, and he has a will to win. That's something that you want in your quarterback, and it's something that you cannot teach. For whatever reason, in big-time moments, Joe Burrow knows how to will his football team the same way that Tom Brady did. So I look at Herbert, and I compare him to Aaron Rodgers, and I look at Burrow, and I compare him to Tom Brady. But Herbert hasn't made the playoffs yet in his career. So that's the one knock that you can have on Justin Herbert when you compare him to his other counterparts at the quarterback position. Josh Allen has led the Buffalo Bills to the postseason. Patrick Mahomes has led the Kansas City Chiefs to the postseason and to a Super Bowl. He also has won an NFL MVP. Joe Burrow has led the Bengals to the postseason and to the Super Bowl. But Justin Herbert has not been able to do that so far in his young career. That's why I think right now the Chargers at 6-6 six and six on the season, this stretch run for the Chargers is very important for Justin Herbert's career. He has to get the Chargers to the playoffs. Otherwise, we got to stop having him in these conversations with Joe Burrow, with Josh Allen, with Patrick Mahomes, with Lamar Jackson, because he can't lead his team to the playoffs. Now, let's switch gears to Tua Tagovailoa. For his career, Tua got 48 touchdowns, 20 interceptions, 7,326 passing yards. He's completed 69% of his passes for his career. Before this season, the big knock on Tua was his lack of arm strength. He's the exact opposite of Justin Herbert. Tua does not have arm strength, but I feel if he's going to be successful in the NFL, he has to be able to anticipate plays so he can throw guys open. Like, I always thought Peyton Manning, he didn't have great arm strength like Aaron Rodgers or even like a Patrick Mahomes. But Peyton Manning knew his playbook, and he knew every single play that his team ran, even if they didn't call that particular play. So he knew how to throw the ball to players and receivers to get them open. He knew where they were supposed to be when he threw the ball. It's called anticipation. That's what I believe that Tua has to master in order to be an elite quarterback at the NFL level. He has to master being able to anticipate throws down the field. If he can do that, I think Tua can elevate himself to being in that top 10 quarterback conversation. I really, really do. And I think this year has been the best year of his career. 21 touchdowns, five interceptions, 2,859 passing yards, completing 68% of his passes, definitely in the MVP conversation. I think right now, two is probably fourth on my MVP list. I got Patrick Mahomes at one. I got Jalen Hurts at two. And Joe Burrow has elevated his game over the last four weeks. 
The last month, Joe Burrow has played sensational without his star receiver, Jamar Chase. So I believe that Joe Burrow deserves to be third in the MVP conversation. But Tua is fourth, and he's a close fourth. He's close to Joe Burrow on the MVP level as far as that conversation right now. So, again, like I, I thought in previous years under Brian Flores, Tua struggled because Flores didn't believe in Tua. He didn't believe in Tua, and he honestly wanted to trade for Deshaun Watson. And it was reports about how he wanted Herbert in the draft instead of Tua. I think both of these two quarterbacks are young quarterbacks who have things to prove. Herbert has to prove he can make the playoffs and lead his team deep on a playoff run, and Tua has to prove that he can be consistent and make the throws necessary for the Dolphins to win football games and improve on his anticipation. Because you got Travis Kelsey and Jalen Waddle on your team. These are two of the fastest receivers that we have in the NFL. There's times where I watch Dolphins games and I see Tyreek Hill having to look back to catch passes from Tua. He would never have to look back when he was in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. So that's his weakness. I'm excited for this matchup between these two teams. When I look at the Miami Dolphins as a football team, offensively they're loaded. They got one of the best offenses in the NFL. At receiver, they got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I think that dynamic duo is the best in the NFL this year. I really, really believe that. They are better than Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. They are better than Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. The way Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle was playing this year, it, 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 it has been outstanding from a production standpoint. It really, really has been. And honestly, Tyreek Hill, he loves playing in SoFi Stadium. In two games in SoFi Stadium against the Chargers, Tyreek Hill has 17 receptions, 247 receiving yards, two touchdowns, both wins when he was in Kansas City. So he loves playing in L.A. under the bright lights. Dolphins got the second-best passing attack in the NFL. They averaged 291 passing yards per game, and they are pretty good as far as points per game average as well. They averaged 25 points per game. That's ranked eighth in the NFL. So this is going to be a good matchup. It's going to be a good matchup between two teams in the AFC who are trying to prove that they are contenders. Chargers are trying to stay in the wild card race. They're trying to stay in that wild card race. So it's going to be a good matchup. But when it comes to who I believe is going to win this game, I believe that Tua is having a better season than Herbert is. I believe that the Dolphins are a better football team than the Chargers are at this moment. But I'm going to roll with the Chargers in an upset over the Dolphins. I'm going Chargers 27, Dolphins 24. I think the Chargers are fighting for their playoff lives, and I expect them to show up on Sunday night football under the bright lights and beat the Dolphins. This three-game stretch for Tua and the Dolphins is critical because they lost last week to the 49ers. They're in L.A. in week 14, and then in week 15, they have to go to Buffalo. 
So this is a critical stretch for the Dolphins. I think they fall to 0-2 during this critical three-game stretch. I'm rolling with the Chargers to beat the Dolphins 27-24. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure, sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming at the break, I'm going to discuss the college football playoffs with Todd Hollingsworth. I'll be right back. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Let's transition to some college football and talk about the college football playoff matchups. The committee announced the four teams that are going to be a part of the college football playoffs this year. So these are the matchups. We got the Georgia Bulldogs versus the Ohio State Buckeyes. That matchup is going to take place on New Year's Eve, 8 p.m. on ESPN. So we got 11-1 Ohio State versus 13-0 Georgia Bulldogs. So when I look at this matchup, I'm excited because we got Ryan Day versus Kirby Smart. We got C.J. Strout, Heisman candidate, versus Stinson Bennett, Heisman candidate as well. Honestly, I believe that Georgia has been the best team in college football over the last 18 months. They went 26-1. and over the last 18 months, and they've been the best team in college football. I mean, they really have. They have dominated this season from start to finish. And before this season, I was not a believer in Stinson Bennett. I I really wasn't. Like, I had my questions about Stinson Bennett, and I never thought that he was the most talented quarterback. But to his credit, Stinson Bennett has done a great job being a leader for this Georgia Bulldogs football team. 
I mean, when you talk about leadership, I believe Stinson Bennett has proven to be one of the best leaders in the college football. And as a quarterback, he's done a great job leading this team. I don't think he's the most talented quarterback, but I believe he is one of the best leaders. I mean, statistically, he got 20 touchdowns, six interceptions, 3,425 passing yards. He's completed 68% of his passes. So his numbers are not jaw-dropping. His numbers are not like C.J. Stroud or Caleb Miller, the quarterback for USC. His, his numbers are not like that. I mean, you, just, you look at them and it's like they, they're pretty – they're average. They're average. But I feel like he's done a great job at contributing to this Georgia Bulldogs football team. He really, really has. But this team is led by their defense. Defensively, the Bulldogs are the real deal. They, are, they really are the real deal, and they play smash-mouth football. They really, really play smash-mouth football. I was shocked that they gave up 30 points to LSU in the SEC championship. I was stunned because I didn't expect it. I mean, they, they hung 50 on the Tigers, but I, I was surprised that they gave up 30. I really, really was. But this is going to be a, a matchup with an elite offense versus an elite defense. That's what I'm looking forward to the most because we know that the Buckeyes have one of the best offenses in college football. And they got C.J. Stroud as their quarterback. And for the season, C.J. Stroud, he got 37 touchdowns, six interceptions, 3,340 passing yards. He's completed 66% of his passes. And in the last two years, C.J. Stroud has played at a high level. And besides the two games against Michigan, I thought C.J. Stroud played pretty well for the Buckeyes during his tenure. I, I really feel like that. I, he obviously lost to Michigan twice and back-to-back -back seasons, but he's a Heisman candidate. I believe that he has a chance to be successful at the next level. But we know Ohio State quarterbacks do not do well in the NFL. They don't. <laughs> they struggle in the NFL from, from Troy Smith to Dwayne Haskins, God rest his soul. Justin Fields, maybe he can do well with the Bears. I like what I've seen from Justin Fields in his first two years. But for whatever reason, Ohio State quarterbacks don't do well in the NFL. Maybe C.J. Stroud can change that narrative. But at 6'3 and 218 pounds, I think that he can, he can possibly be successful at the next level if he is under the right coach and gets a chance to develop. So we'll, we'll see. We definitely will see about that. But I'm excited for that matchup with the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Georgia Bulldogs. Like, I think, honestly, for Georgia, this actually is a matchup with Ohio State. This is probably the toughest matchup that they could have possibly got because it could have been Michigan. It could have been TCU. It could have been Alabama or Tennessee. This Ohio State offense is a high-powered elite offense. So Georgia kind of got a tough draw at number one. Being the number one team in the country, they kind of got a tough draw in the college football playoffs.
We got the high-powered elite Buckeyes offense versus the elite Bulldogs defense. But I want to talk some more college football, and I want to welcome to the show college football analyst Tony Hollinsworth. Tony, how you doing tonight? And how about you? Pretty good, pretty good, Tony. So let's get right to it, Tony. We have the college football playoff matchups. We got the Georgia Bulldogs versus the Ohio State Buckeyes. It's the one versus four matchup. 8 p.m. start on New Year's Eve. But we have in the two versus three matchup, we got the TCU Orange Frogs against the Michigan Wolverines. That starts at four o'clock on ESPN on New Year's Eve. So, Tony, do you believe that the committee got the correct four teams for the college football playoffs this year? Oh, 100%. And and I say that not only as a college football fan, I say that as a very adamant uh, Alabama hater. Um, I will be the first to admit that. I say that for a couple reasons. You know, had USC not lost, I could honestly say that USC would have probably deserved to be in more than Ohio State. My biggest thing against, honestly, Bama, Bama didn't really have a lot of quality wins. They beat Arkansas at the time. They were ranked number 20. They've since gone unranked. They they started to fall extremely hard once yeah. they, they really started that season. They started with a brutal schedule. They started to fall out. Of course, they lose to Tennessee with a last-second field goal. And then, of course, they end up dropping to LSU through a converted uh, two-point conversion. So... The thing I've heard the entire time is that, well, Alabama has, you know, the two best losses out of everybody. So that so that means that they deserve to be in. No, because I'm a big proprietor of you don't exactly get the prize because for lack of better terms, you sucked the best. Yeah. Like you, you can't say you lost the best and get to be in. Like you have to have good quality wins. And it's like to me, they didn't really face anybody other than who they normally face. And yeah. really just wowed me. It's like the two games that I expected you to really win, you you lost both. Now, the Tennessee win may be a flip because that, that was actually an overall good game. You know, both teams stuck it out throughout the entire time. Same with the LSU. But this is this is an Alabama team. We typically see them win both of these games with, with zero to no issues. So I've heard yeah. a lot that it was injuries, you know, they they were one of the most undisciplined teams as well this year. So I honestly, I don't know how well they would have fared against somebody like an Ohio State because all it would take is just one defensive stop from Ohio State, and I think Alabama would be in trouble. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of people who are Crimson Tide fans, Tony, they are saying that they believe that they deserve to be in the college football playoff. They believe that they would make it a tougher matchup you know, against the Wolverines or maybe even against Georgia. And, but they got two losses, so I'm kind of with you. I feel like even if you feel like the Horn Frogs are not going to be competitive, they've earned the right to play in the college football playoff by winning 12 of their 13 games. Now, I know they lost their conference championship, but 12-1 and one is 12-1. and one. I, I mean, like, it's, I, I understand that we want to see games that are competitive, in the playoffs, but if you earn it, you earn it. So that's well, you say me, what? And and let me ask and let me ask you this because I've I've had this question proposed to me before. Because the conference game is technically a bonus game, because none of the other none of the other teams play this, with the exception of the two teams that are in, should the teams be penalized? 
because they're playing that extra game. And to me, to me, I say yes, because in my in my opinion, if you can't win your champion, if you can't win your conference, it's it's I I think you're going to really struggle when you get into the playoffs. Now, obviously, the exception we saw last year with Georgia, they didn't win the SEC, but we we knew throughout a majority of the year that yeah. Georgia was going to be the team to beat. Yeah, like TCU, we've had questions all year, and we we still have a lot of questions. You know, how well are they going to do up against Michigan? So you know, I I agree with you. I think because TCU did manage to have a really, you know, really tough schedule, they beat all, all five ranked opponents that they faced during the regular season. Now, obviously, they lost a, a close overtime game against Kansas State. They've stayed competitive and they stayed consistent. Like you said, they only have one loss and it's against their, it's against basically an extra bonus game that, you know, maybe they played, maybe they didn't. But like you said, they're, they still don't have two losses like Bama does. And I feel like if you're the college football playoff committee, you are really having to advocate for Bama for two losses. Now, if they beat somebody, if they beat like the number one team, then they lost two games. Okay. Yeah. You could be like, well, no, they, they have a shot, but they, they didn't do anything like that to me that says, yeah, they deserve to be in there. Now, Tony, let's transition to the actual matchups for the college football playoff. Let's start off with the two versus the three. We got TCU against the Michigan Wolverines. So, TCU, the 12-1, Michigan is 13-0. They did win the Big Ten Championship against Purdue last week. They beat Ohio State for a second consecutive season. So what are your expectations for this matchup between TCU and Michigan? I expect this to be a game that TCU may go into the half being up because if we look at Michigan's you know history over this past season, they'll either just be ahead at halftime or yeah. they'll be down at halftime. And then the second half is when Michigan makes their adjustments. And really, that's when, to me, you see the true Michigan Wolverine football of big dominating offensive line that controls the line of scrimmage. They wear you down with a lot of these long drives. Now, what I am interested to see and what I think, and I, I kind of compared them a little bit to Georgia last year of how we saw Georgia in the SEC championship and they didn't look like the Georgia that we were, that we had been used to seeing the entire year. So you kind of wonder, okay, maybe they have something up their sleeve that they didn't want to exactly expose to Bama as they were getting ready for a deep playoff run. I feel like Michigan's doing the same thing because all this year they've had JJ McCarthy as the starter for what? 12, 12 of the 13 games that they played. Yeah. Um, he was the starter. And he didn't really do anything that, to me, as a five-star prospect, really made me turn my head. He wasn't lighting it up through through the air with passing yards. He wasn't throwing, you know, six, seven touchdowns a game. But when he played against Ohio State, you know, two or three of those big plays were passing touchdowns that were just one play, seventy-five plus yards for for the score. And then Donovan Edwards was able to take over the game at the end with the two long rushing touchdowns. So to me, against TCU. TCU will be in it just because of Max Duggan, but I don't trust TCU's defense. I think Max will try his best to keep it competitive. I think it'll be close, but I think this will end with Michigan being up by two scores just because of how dominate, how dominant and how powerful that offensive line is. Now, when you talk about the quarterbacks, Tony, in this matchup, you got Max Duggan, Duggan. He got 30 touchdowns, four interceptions, 3,321 passing yards. On the season, you compare that to J.J. McCarthy, 20 touchdowns, three interceptions, 2,376 passing yards. Which of these two quarterbacks 
do you believe has the advantage? To me, I say it's Max. I mean, we we've witnessed it, and I don't know if you watched the Big Big Twelve Championship game or even the I game did. against Baylor. Yes, yeah, yeah. You you saw him literally put the team on his back, and at the very end, to even get the game into you know overtime, you saw how gassed Max Duggan was. That he you know he couldn't stand up. He wanted his team to get away. He couldn't catch his breath. To me, it I know obviously he's not a finalist for the Heisman. That was a Heisman moment. That was a true quarterback who put his team on his back and said, okay, yeah. we're not doing it running. We're not doing it passing. I will take the ball myself, and I will put us in a position to potentially win the game. So to me, I give it to Max just because of that. Like I said, throughout the year, J.J. has been more of a game manager. We've only seen you know, this last game against Ohio State really and Purdue be his kind of coming out game of he's more of a thrower and a passer instead of what we've seen a majority of the season. He was more of a game manager. They relied heavily on Blake Corum. They relied on Donovan Edwards yeah. and really a, a defense by committee to keep them in these games. It wasn't as much J.J. So to me, I give I give the edge to Max. I agree 100 percent. Let's transition to the night matchup on New Year's Eve. We got Ohio State 11 and 1 against Georgia 13 and 0. It's the high powered Ohio State offense versus that elite Georgia Bulldogs defense. Tony, what are your expectations for this matchup? This is probably to me going to be the best game of them all. It's hard to kind of pick because of what Ohio State wasn't able to do against Michigan. I expected that game to be a lot closer. I, I Honestly, I didn't have Michigan winning that game. When we looked at Ohio State when the season first started, we were we were kind of wondering where are the wide receivers for Ohio State, you know, yeah. Smith and Smith and Jigbo, you know, kept getting hurt. He's basically been out the majority of the season. Um, but then, of course, we see Emeka Obuka come out, had a phenomenal year. And then, of course, we see Marvin Harrison Jr., just decide to show up on the college field and yes. just absolutely ball out throughout the entire year. Yeah. Um, and then the run game for them has been has been very good. Now, what still kind of worries me is Ohio State's defense. Their defense is significantly better than what it was last year. But you look at what they, you know, look at what they had to face this year. They struggled against Penn State until they had kind of a couple couple takeaways, couple big breaks for that defense. And then their offense was able to help help compensate for that. To me, if Ohio State's offense isn't able to able to get going and struggles against that defense, th this is going to be an ugly game for Ohio State because if that because their defense they're they're an opportunistic defense. They're not gonna they're not gonna sack you. They're not gonna sack you a whole lot. Now they're gonna probably get a couple turnovers, yeah. and if they can get those and your offense can capitalize, it'll be a lot better game than what it is. But I I still worry about whether or not that defense can hold up and if that defense can overcompensate until that offense is able to hopefully get it to click. Because Georgia, while Stetson Bennett hasn't thrown as many yards, hasn't thrown as many touchdowns, Georgia can score. I mean, heck, they dropped 50 on LSU last week. So, I mean, and did it with no issues. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, Tony, when you look at the coaches in this matchup, we got Ryan Day. His career record as head coach is 45-5. and five. So he's won 90% of his games, but he lost to Jim Harbaugh twice since he's been the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, something that Urban Meyer had no trouble with. Mm -hmm. um, and you compare him to Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart, obviously, he has a career record of 79 and 15. 
So he's won 84% of his games as head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs. I'm pretty sure I know where you're going to lean here, Tony, but who has the coaching advantage in this particular game? Not necessarily who's accomplished more throughout the career, but just for this game. To, to me, it's Kirby, and I say that because because he has done better in bigger games. I mean, you look at Ryan Day. Ryan Day became the head coach in 2019. He did beat Michigan his first year in 2019, but hasn't beaten them since. And you think about it, Ohio State missed the playoffs last year, yeah. uh, in part because they lost to Oregon and then they lost to Michigan. And then this year, they got in because you know USC really lost more than Ohio State won. So to me, I say it's Kirby. He's got more of the overall experience. I think he's better at getting his guys ready in situational awareness. And it's really no shot of the Big Ten. I am I'm a huge Big Ten fan being in Big Ten country. Now I do love my my LSU Tigers. Yeah. But the the SEC is a different beast. I mean, Georgia is way more battle tested than than Ohio State is. I mean, we we did kind of wonder with with Georgia, you know, struggling against Mizzou, struggling against Kentucky, you know, teams like that that we think, okay, they should wholeheartedly beat Ohio State. You were pretty much able to walk through the Big Ten pretty easily. Now, Northwestern, I don't really count the Northwestern game. That was more Ohio State having to face the weather than they were having to face the Wildcats. So I'm, I'm not really going to take anything away from them. But I would say coaching right now, I would give it to Kirby Smart, hands down. A couple more questions for you, Tony. I have Tony. Hollinsworth, he is radio host and college football analyst, knows his stuff. Glad to have you on tonight, man. Let's talk about C.J. Stroud. He got 37 touchdowns, six interceptions, 3,340 passing yards for the season. He's a Heisman candidate. What are your expectations for C.J. Stroud going up against this elite Bulldogs defense? I, I think he's still going to do really well. I mean, this this is a guy that you look at him all year. He's he's performed really well. And really, the only game that I saw CJ kind of struggle in, and I never really saw him bounce back, was the game against Maryland. I don't really fault him for that as much as I think Ohio State just got in their own way. Kind of the same with Michigan almost stumbling against Illinois. They were both looking ahead, wanting to face each other rather yeah. than trying to face the games in front of him. So I, I expect CJ to do pretty well. Like I said, I think he'll struggle in the first half, uh, but after some second half adjustments, I think he'll probably flow flow right in pretty well. I expect him to have a pretty pretty decent game. I don't, I don't think this is going to be one that we see a, a total crumbling of CJ Stroud, and I know a lot of Ohio State fans say that Ohio State is broken because they've lost to Michigan twice, but I don't really hear them saying that as much now that they're number four and actually in the playoffs so yeah for sure tony but i'm going to get your prediction on these two games as we get closer to to these two matchups on new year's eve but before you go we have the heisman trophy presentation saturday in new york we got quarterback caleb williams of usc we got cj strout of ohio state we got max dugan of tcu and we got stenson bennett of georgia who do you expect to win the Heisman Trophy. I honestly, I think, I think Caleb Williams is going to win it um, purely just because of statistics. You know, you look at everything he did for USC. Now, I think it would have been more of a definitive had you know USC made it into the playoffs. Um, but he he had overall a fantastic statistical year. You know, he got USC back on the map as far as being a relevant you know top school again. 
Now, the fan in me, the fan says Max Dugan deserves it just because, like I said, how he's literally carried the team. I mean, the kid also had open heart surgery, you know, four weeks before the season started and then was able to walk out on the field and do what he's been able to do all season. Um, CJ, I could make an argument for him. The only one that I honestly I can't make an argument much for is Stetson because I, I don't really give it to Stetson Bennett as much as I just do that Georgia defense. Like, if you can give the Georgia defense the Heisman Trophy, yeah. 100%, but I don't really give it to Stetson <laughs> as much as I as much as much I do Georgia. So, yeah, I think I think Caleb is gonna is probably going to run away with it with pretty good ease. He is Tony Hollinsworth. Tony, let everyone know where they can find you on social media. Yes, sir. So y'all can find me on Instagram at Inside the Hoosier Mind. Uh, that is also my podcast name. If you look on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., uh, I am on the ASAP Network as well. You can find me there. You can also find me on Odds Pods Media with uh, the show Big Ten Plus Four, where we talk primarily uh, college football and college basketball for the Big Ten Conference as well. He is Tony Hollinsworth on the Wise Guy Sports Show. Tony, I'm going to bring you back on again here soon and talk some more college football i appreciate you coming on the show tonight yes sir thank you i appreciate it and anytime anytime you want me to hop on i i'm more than welcome to i'm also more than happy to to give you a little bit of grief about your about your packers and, and aaron Rodgers. <laughs> oh yeah man we having a, it's, just, it's been a struggle for us tony it's been a struggle man it really has we got we got a bad week this week so this week i don't have to suffer i can i can relax and watch football this weekend and not have my heart into any of these games so uh, I'm definitely excited to, to, about that. There you go, man. There you go. For sure. For sure. He's Tony Hollinsworth. Appreciate you joining me tonight, Tony. Appreciate it, man. Have a good night. You as well. He's Tony Hollinsworth. Go and follow him on all social media platforms. He does a great job covering college football, and he's definitely doing his thing. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming up to break, I'm going to discuss Anthony Davis and the Lakers. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember to go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Let's transition to some NBA and let's talk about the Los Angeles Lakers and Anthony Davis. The Lakers did lose last night to the Toronto Raptors. LeBron and Anthony Davis both were out in that game, and they lost to the Cavaliers as well a few nights ago. But Anthony Davis left that game with flu-like symptoms. But Sunday night in the nation's capital, Anthony Davis put on a sensational performance. He had 55 points, 17 rebounds, and three blocks in a win over 
the Washington Wizards. So let's get into Anthony Davis and the way that he's been playing over the last three weeks. So I watched the Lakers win over the Bucks on Friday night last week. It was a great game on ESPN. The Lakers beat the Bucks 133 to 129. And that game was the best game I have seen from Anthony Davis since the bubble. Since the bubble, I believe that Anthony Davis has been playing subpar basketball, and that's being nice. That's being nice. For whatever reason, over the last two and a half years, he's fell in love with his perimeter shot. And he's not, he hasn't been hitting it over the last two and a half years at a high level until recently. But I was talking to my cousin a few weeks ago, and I was talking about, you know, stars in the NBA, LeBron, Steph, Giannis, Kawhi Leonard. And I was just thinking about, like, when was the last time we witnessed a great performance from Anthony Davis? It's been a while. It's, this was a few weeks ago. This was right, kind of like right around we in December. This was probably around the beginning of November. And I was just telling my cousin, like, I, have, I don't remember the last time I witnessed a great performance from Anthony Davis. And I saw what Anthony Davis did in these two games against the Bucks and against the Wizards. And it made me think about what we have missed from Anthony Davis from a performance standpoint in the last two and a half years. I mean, this was against the Bucks on Friday night. AD had 44 points, 10 rebounds. Four assists on 18 of 27 shooting from the floor. He shot two of three from three-point range. Six of seven from the free throw line. He was sensational. Giannis, on that same night, in that same game, had 40 points. And he had seven rebounds. Anthony Davis outplayed Giannis slightly. Now, Giannis gives us 40 a night. When he's at his best, he gives us 40 each night at a high level. Giannis is consistent. That's something that Anthony Davis hasn't been over the last two, two and a half years. He has not been consistent. So he had 44 and 10 against the Bucks Friday night in Milwaukee. He followed that up with a great performance against the Wizards in Washington Sunday night. He had 55 points. 17 rebounds and three blocks. He became the third player in NBA history to have 95 points on 70% shooting over a two-game span. Only Kevin McHale and Wilt Chamberlain did it before Anthony Davis did it. So Anthony Davis is playing at a high level. And this year, he is averaging a career high in points, rebounds, field goal percentage, and in two-point field goal percentage. And he's averaging a career low in three-point attempts. That is a recipe for success for Anthony Davis and the Los Angeles Lakers being contenders in the Western Conference.
We've been waiting on Anthony Davis to elevate his game and take on the responsibility of being the number one option on the L.A. Lakers. We've been waiting on it. We have been waiting on A.D. And over the last few weeks, he has answered the call. He's answered the call. We got to give credit where it's due because I've been critical of Anthony Davis the last two and a half years. I've been critical about him because I feel like LeBron is no longer in his prime and LeBron can't carry a team now compared to like he once could in the early stages of his career. And I believe that Anthony Davis has to take on the responsibility of being the best player for the Lakers. And over the last few weeks, he's done just that. He's done just that. And the Lakers are playing some good basketball outside of their two latest games where they lost to the Cavs and to the Raptors. One game where Anthony Davis didn't even play. Lakers are playing some pretty good basketball. And you know somebody else I got to give credit to? It's Russell Westbrook. It is the way Russell Westbrook has adjusted his game. It's been an important factor and why the Lakers over the last few weeks have played better. You got to give credit to what to the way Russell Westbrook has adjusted his his game. Like I think Russ has understood that LeBron and Anthony Davis are the focal points of the Lakers offense. He he I think he understands it now. And in the latter part of games and in clutch moments Anthony Davis receives the basketball from Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook doesn't just get the basketball and literally run up the floor. He always gives the ball to Anthony Davis in clutch moments. He gives the ball to LeBron James, and he understands his role. He really, really understands his role. For the season, he's averaging 15 points per game, five rebounds, seven assists, and he's doing a sensational job with this Lakers team. And honestly, they got Lonnie Walker, they got Westbrook, they got Austin Reeves, they still got defensive specialists, Patrick Beverly on their basketball team. This Lakers team could be a sleeper in the West. I'm not ready to say that they are contenders in the Western Conference to be NBA champs, but I think they are contenders to definitely make the playoffs. And if Anthony Davis continues to play at a high level, they could, they could elevate themselves to be one of those teams in the Western Conference that you got to look out for. So I love the way Anthony Davis has been playing over the last few weeks. And if they can figure out a way to get some shooting on this Lakers team, watch out for the Lakers. Now, to their credit, over the last month, the Lakers have taken the, the least amount of three-point attempts in the NBA this, over, the last, over the last month, and the most two-point attempts. So they have understood that they are not a perimeter shooting basketball team. They have adjusted their play style, and you got to get some credit to Darwin Helm because of that. you got to get some credit to Darwin Helm. They're not a perimeter shooting basketball team. They have to attack the rim with LeBron, with Russ, and with Anthony Davis to be successful. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at wiseguys underscore h also on facebook wise guys and be sure to follow wise guys the instagram at these guys know sports coming at the break i'm going to bring on wilton jackson 
I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. I want to welcome to the show sports writer at Sports Illustrated, also a host of the Red Diamond Report podcast. I want to welcome to the show Will Jackson the second. What's up, Will? How are you doing tonight? Doing good, man. Glad to be on. Definitely, definitely, man. Glad to have you on, Wilton. Let's get right to it, Wilton. Let's start off in the NFL and let's discuss the AFC. In the AFC, we got the Chiefs leading the AFC West at 9-3. and three. The Dolphins are having a great season under Tua at 8-4, and four, despite their loss to the 49ers last week. And then we got the defending AFC champs, the Cincinnati Bengals, 8-4, and four, fresh off a win over the Chiefs in Week 13. We got also the Bills, who are the number one seed in the AFC. So right now, in your opinion, Wilton, who should be considered the favorites in the AFC? I mean, honestly, man, you, you you really have to consider the Chiefs and the Bills. I mean, I mean, who doesn't like the duel of those two teams when they play each other? You just never know what's going to happen, right? It always feels like it comes down to the last minute play. Um, yeah. I'm a, I'm not going to lie. Just dealing with the idea of, of um, you know, being a sports reporter, but also being a fan. Um, the Chiefs are the team for me. Like it's something about uh, Patrick Mahomes is just that magic, man. Um, he always finds a way to get it done in most cases. Uh, but that doesn't yeah. mean that I have, you know, uh, that's no disrespect to the Bills. Uh, but at the same time, there's some other teams that, you know, they could still give them a run for their money. Like I said, we've seen teams, you know, come through the season in that latter part of the stretch of the season that always makes a run. And, you know, you'll see those teams uh, kind of step up when they need to. It can make those those major runs in the postseason. So you can never count anybody out, even if it is just getting to the end of the season. Well, Will, you actually led me to my next question for you because I'm not a Bengals fan, but I live here in Cincinnati. Yeah. And so you saying that you believe that the Chiefs and the Bills are the favorites in the AFC and not the defending AFC champion Bengals. I think some Bengals fans might think that's a little disrespectful. Will, you're kind of sleeping on the Bengals there a little bit, my brother. You know, I, I, here's the thing. As somebody who went to LSU and a, and a Joe Burrow fan, I should probably be Team Bengals all the way. But yeah. in all honesty, like, I, I still – I like the way – I like the work that they've done, that they did last year. I like the work that they've been able to put together this year. But I just and, – and when it comes down to it, I, I don't want to – I wouldn't bet going up against putting Joe Burrow against Patrick Mahomes this season around or putting him uh, – or putting the Bengals up against the Bills again. I think that – I would take my chances with going with the Chiefs. So as you can see, I'm kind of leaning towards the Chiefs. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you because you, know, <laughs> you know, you you know, Joe Burrow is three and zero against Patrick Mahomes. Right. No, I do. I do. Yeah. And the last three times they played Wilton, the Bengals beat the Chiefs, and last year the Bengals overcame eleven point deficits to come back and beat the Chiefs. So I, I, I hear. I, I just think the Bengals, I, and I'm not a Bengal fan. Like I said, let me be clear. I am not a Bengal fan. <laughs> At all, I like the Packers, Will. Just so, just so you can know. Oh I like God! Well, I know you. I know you're not happy right now. Then I'm not happy right now. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, not I'm not. And I'm honestly happy, Wilton, that we got a bye week this week because yeah, oh, I don't yeah. have. I don't have to suffer this week. I can just watch football and I can be a fan. I ain't gotta have my heart in. I believe the Bengals match up well with the Chiefs, Wilton, because offensively they got Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. At receiver, you got Jamar Chase. You got T. Higgins. You got you Tyler do. Boyd. And in the backfield, P. Ryan's been playing well lately, and they got Joe Mixon as well. I think they match up well with the Chiefs. Mind you, I never said that they didn't match up well with the, with these particular teams. I just said if I had to bet my bank account in the okay. playoffs with a with a with a play on the line, who's going to win it? Right yeah. now, I'm not. And again, they had like you said, you get you giving me the facts to say that they've beaten them three times in a row. I get yeah. it, I get it, but I'm still not betting. I'm I'm not putting my money on it. I get it. I get it. So let's let's talk about these great young quarterbacks in the NFL. It's a lot of them, Will. We got Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and you can even throw Tua in there because Tua's oh, having yeah. his best season so far of his career. But which of these young quarterbacks are you taking if you were starting a franchise and can have any quarterback of your choice. I'm going to be biased and probably still go Patrick Mahomes, but a second behind Patrick Mahomes, I really love the play of Justin Herbert. Like, I like his decision-making. Obviously, he's made some, some errant throws in, in, in certain situations late down the stretch, but, I mean, he's only been in the, he's only been in the league a few years. Give him a few more years, and he's going to be dangerous. Like, that's going to be a, a L.A. Chargers team that's going to go the distance. Um, I, I really like his play, but I really, I really, really, really love the play that Tua has put up, that, has put, that he's put out this year. Yeah. Um, you're talking about a Dolphins team. Obviously, we know all the issues that happened with them last year. Um, and seeing them bounce back and have the success that they've had this year, obviously, Tua gets those weapons um, to help him this year. And, and shout out to Mike McDaniel for, yeah. for really putting together a, a system in which he can thrive. Because I think that when most of us saw Tua go down with that horrendous injury, you know, me personally, I didn't know how long he was going to be out. But to see him come back and bounce back from that and really look confident. I mean, granted, the last couple of weeks, he's been a little shaky, of course, you know, with Miami. But as far as like overall compared to what they've been in previous years, I'm very, very proud of Tua's growth. And to your point, Wilton, before Mike McDaniel took over, it was Brian Flores. And right. Flores, he didn't believe in Tua. Right. And, and, and honestly, there were times last year, remember, where Ryan Fitzpatrick was was finishing games Fitzmagic. for the Dolphins. Yeah, Fitzmagic. <laughs> he, he was finishing games for the Dolphins instead of it being Tua. So I think it really speaks to how McDaniel believes in Tua, and that's why we've seen the progression this season compared to the first couple years of his career. Absolutely. It goes without saying. You can be as talented as you want to be, but it's nothing like having someone to have confidence in you. If the person that, that if your coach doesn't have confidence in you nine times out of 10, you're probably not going to have confidence in yourself. That also means nine times out of 10, the players in that locker room are not going to have confidence in you either. So you always want the person or the people in charge to believe in you. That changes the whole locker room dynamics. That puts faith in the person that's going to be leading the team because we know the NFL is a quarterback's lead. Without a good quarterback, look at the Saints. And I'm going to just be honest, I'm a Saints fan. 
okay. diehard Saints fan. Okay, okay. But Drew Brees, we have not been the same since he left. This yeah. is I'm just being I'm just being realistic, you know, and that's no shame to the quarterbacks that we have, no shame to Jameis Winston, you know, none of them. It's just or Andy Dalton, but it's just the fact that hey, you gotta have a quarterback to lead your team. You can have all the skill, uh skill position players, yep. you can have all the players that's in the trenches, you can have all the, the best defenders. And like I said, just going back to the Saints, pretty much great defense. But if you don't have a quarterback, if you don't have a franchise leader to lead your team. You're not going to be successful. I agree. I agree a thousand percent, Will. And that's honestly why a lot of people have reservations when it comes to the 49ers. Because I think the 49ers are loaded, Will. Not they, receiver. Oh, they got Debo. They got IU. They got Kittle. And and, 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 they, and Will, they had the nerve. The audacity to trade for Christian McCaffrey. I I, I, it, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I said, they're going to trade for Christian McCaffrey and add him? And then that defense is elite. It's elite, but the question is about the 49ers is, can they get quality quarterback play in playoff moments to get over that hump and win the Super Bowl? They did get to the Super Bowl a couple years ago, but when Jimmy G had to make the play, he couldn't get it done. Right, and then, you know, look at the the, the issues that are going on with them. Obviously, the, uh, I'm sure you saw that the injury with Jimmy Garoppolo is not, is not going to be as bad as they projected it to be, but of course you have Brock Purdy, but at this point of the season, as we just alluded to, we're talking about going into week 14. You basically have, like, including this week, four or five more weeks in the season, and you have to be playing your best football. It doesn't really necessarily matter if you went 9-0 and or you won nine straight games to start the season. This is where it starts mattering the most. Just like in college football, when the month of November is important, December and the first week in January is extremely important when it comes to the NFL. Absolutely. So we'll find out a lot about what the 49ers are going to do uh, and as you alluded to, they have all the weapons to be successful. They have the weapons to, to to go the distance when it comes to being in the NFC. But depending on what that situation looks like at quarterback, that's going to determine a lot. Absolutely. Let's switch over to the NFC. And obviously, the number one seed in the NFC is the Philadelphia Eagles. They are led by MVP candidate Jalen Hurts at 11-1. The Vikings are the two seed in the conference at 10-2 and two with Kirk Cousins. Cowboys are nine and three, and they fresh off a 54 point performance against the Colts on Sunday night football in Dallas. And they might possibly sign Odell, although they have, I think his reports this week about how they're concerned with his health. And then we know we just talked about the 49ers. So, who do you believe should be the favorites in the NFC? I think in the NFC, you have to go ahead and still give it to the Eagles. I mean, shout out to Jalen Hurts in the in the play that you know yeah. he's been able to do this season. A lot of people constantly still doubt Jalen Hurts, even with what they've been able to do um, just alone in this season. Um, and just something to mention that you, when you look at it, you talk about you know number one seed right now, they have a chance to to potentially uh, clinch a playoff spot this week. They get the win, or they tie on Sunday, or San Francisco or Seattle uh, loses, they'll get okay. that playoff spot. They'll okay. get that number one. That, well, they won't get the number one seed, but they get that playoff spot. And then you talk about a Minnesota team, um, a Vikings team. If they win or, or they tie, they get a playoff spot. So um, in terms of right now, of where things are, I always stand by where things are right now. I would have to still go with the Eagles as being the, as, as the top team in the NFC. See, well, honestly, before Jimmy G's injury, I thought the 49ers was a team to beat in the NFC because I felt like if the 49ers have to go on the road to Philly or to Minnesota, I like my chances with Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. I really, really, that's how I felt. Absolutely. Like I said, with the weapons they have, and then just when they got Christian McCaffrey before we even were dealing with this quarterback situation, of course, the Garoppolo injury, 
I mean, they're literally unstoppable. Yeah. When you think about that, you got Debo Samuel, obviously one of the most dynamic playmakers in the NFL. And you add a Christian McCaffrey to that. And as you mentioned, the wide receivers they have, the defense that they have, all you need is a quarterback that's going to, you, you know, need. lead your offense. Like, I mean, talking about scary, scary yeah, good. Would give, sure. They would give Philly uh, a run for their money if they had to play a game, if Philly had to come to San Francisco in a playoff game. I agree. I agree a thousand percent. And I'm not honest. And, and this ain't no, this is not because I'm a Packers fan. I promise it ain't Wilton, but I really don't believe in Minnesota like that. I don't. I, don't. I love, I love Justin. Je okay. You don't either. Okay. Okay. You, yeah. You're on the same. I, I am a, I am a big Justin Jefferson fan. Me too. Now, as, Me far, too. as far as Kirk Cousins, if I can't see him past the door, I, I'm not, my trust form is not going to be that big. Me too. I'm the same way, man. I think in big games, when the lights are at its brightest, Kirk Cousins folds. He folds. I've seen it happen. Too yeah, many oh, times. we all have seen it. We've seen it. We've seen it. And I like I like Adam Thielen, too. I like Thielen. But oh, I just, one, one of the clutchest slot receivers that you'll ever be around or even just to play the game in the NFL. For sure. For sure. But I just – I think in the playoffs, I believe that they could slip up against one of those wild card teams in the NFC. And I wouldn't be surprised if they lost. I, I just wouldn't be surprised. I if, if Philly lost their first playoff game, I would be surprised if the Vikings lost their first playoff game. I wouldn't be shocked one bit. Right. Well, I think a lot of people that goes back to that. The point I was just making, a lot of people don't have high expectations for Jalen Hurts as the as the Eagles continue to win. As, and as Jalen continues to have success, it continues to build. But I can guarantee you at any point within these last few weeks that Philly loses, the narrative will, will go back to, well, he's not ready. You know, right. what did he do wrong? Yep. Is, are the Eagles the team to still beat in the NFC? Can they get past the Dallas? Can they get past uh, the Vikings? Can they get, you know what I mean? Like, can they get past the 49ers? Can they get past the favorite teams in the NFC on the road to, you know, to a potential Super Bowl? I promise you that's what it's going to be. But as long as, they, as long as he continues to win, progress, and they're not slowing down, I like the Eagles' chances. I agree. The Hall of Fame quarterbacks have struggled this year, Wilton. Aaron Rodgers got 22 touchdowns, nine interceptions. The Packers are five and eight on the season. Tom Brady got 16 touchdowns, three interceptions. Buccaneers are six and six. The only reason why the Buccaneers are considered a playoff team right now is because they play in the NFC South. Let's be honest. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's which, the only which is a division that's wide open right now. Wide open. But what do you believe is the biggest reason for the legendary quarterbacks struggles so far this season? I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, some of the players that they have around them. Specifically, I'm going to talk about Green Bay for a second. So I don't, I don't want to make you mad. I know you're a Green Bay fan. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I yeah. mean, it says something when your star, your franchise receiver, Devontae Adams goes away. Now, yeah. granted, obviously, when you're a good quarterback, you're going to adjust. You're going to still be able to make the plays or you're going to attempt to still make the plays, put the ball where it needs to be put. But this also shows that when you have young receivers like a Christian Watson and, you know, Lazard, even though he's not necessarily a rookie or young, he's been in the league for some years. This is not Devontae Adams. And what it also shows me is that a lot of times, Aaron Rodgers, you are great. Hall of Fame worthy quarterback will for sure get into the Hall of Fame. But a lot of times, well, not a lot of times, sometimes the wide receivers make the quarterback look that much better. Absolutely. When you have a dynamic receiver who can go after some of those balls that you may overthrow or that you may put in a position that the defensive back or the cornerback can still, you know, have access to, but that wide receiver comes up with the play kind of like what Justin Jefferson does sometimes. Like yeah. you, you have to, you have to pay those guys. You have to, you have to credit those guys. You want those guys in your franchise. And so I think the biggest thing with Aaron Rodgers is the fact that you have, he had to really, I feel like adjust 
to the players that are around him. Of course, he's been banged up. He's had some injuries. But when hasn't Aaron Rodgers had injuries? That's not an right. excuse for somebody like him. Right. I agree. And, and, and for me, honestly, Wilton, I'm still not over Devontae Adams departing from Green Bay. I ain't over it. I was, I was, I couldn't believe that we decided to trade him. I couldn't believe yeah. it. And honestly, Wilton, though, I blame Aaron Rodgers. I think the reason why Devontae left Green Bay was because of Aaron Rodgers being so indecisive. Because I think I think Devontae was look, looking at it like, okay, do I want to play with Aaron Rodgers for three years or do I want to go play with Derek Carr, my boy? who I played with in, at the collegiate level right, for maybe State. five years. Right, at Fresno right. State. Or do I want to go play with him for maybe five years or six years? I think Devontae Adams chose, I'd rather go play with, Dev with Derek Carr, who I know is going to show up each year ready to ball out at a high level. In comparison to Aaron Rodgers, every time the offseason roll around, Aaron Rodgers talking about retiring. It happens every year, Will. He always talking about retiring. He never wants to commit. And I think Devontae, while Aaron was going through all his tactics, I think Devontae felt underappreciated by that Packers organization as well, and they forgot about prioritizing their star receiver. So that you say what? How many times have we seen Aaron Rodgers do this before? Yeah. Several. Several yeah. times. And, and it, it comes at a point where a player gets in, their, gets in a, a certain portion of their career, and it's not always just about the money. It's not always just about, okay, hey, I want to play for this particular player or play for this particular team. Sometimes it is. I would, I would say that, obviously, I don't think he wanted to leave. Well, he even said that he didn't necessarily want to leave um, Green Bay or not play with Aaron Rodgers. But it's like like you said, you always said what I've learned about just life in general in my life and even these athletes, uh, athletes' lives as well is that yeah. you have to always do what's best for you because at the end of the day, all of this is a business. One. Great. Two, beyond that, look at the fact that, yes, he had that chemistry and had played with the quarterback at, at Fresno State. That's two. And then he wanted to get closer to his family. So yep. if you have a guy in Aaron Rodgers who's not making a decision right away and it's like, OK, here's something to weigh. I played with him at Fresno State. We have chemistry. I'm not necessarily starting over from scratch. I'm getting a major contract from this. On top yeah. of that, I get to spend more time with my family. How many times have we seen players talk about they don't get a chance to spend time with their family? We're just talking about immediate family. We're not even talking about other family members. How many times really? do we hear that? We hear that a lot. So right. when you look at that decision, he made this, the, the decision that was best for him. Well, were fans upset? Probably so, as they should be. But at the end of the day, all of these decisions come down to understanding how business works. And as someone who's Aaron Rodgers right now, this is possibly some of the reasons why he's dealing with these, these issues because his receivers are younger. But it's a choice that he made. Agree. Agree. And I'll take it a step farther, Wilton. Let's be honest. If you ask me would I rather play in Green Bay compared to Las Vegas, this isn't easy for me. Uh -huh. It's easy for you me. Got <laughs> casinos? Yeah. Cold weather. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and it, palm trees in, in Vegas. We got nightclubs. I mean, Vegas, you can literally do whatever you want. Whatever you yeah, want to oh, do. Absolutely. Do so, absolutely. I mean, honestly, I didn't blame Devontae for departing Green Bay for Las Vegas just from a standpoint of, it's warmer weather. It's <laughs> warmer weather and more to do. So I get it. I, like I said, I understand it. I still think Devontae Adams, he's playing right now. I still think Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in the NFL. Sure. And I think he, I think for him too, though, Wilton, he had an adjustment period with Derek Carr because he realized, oh, this ain't A-Rod. Yeah, there's a, there's a significant drop-off when it comes to production. And I think Devontae Adams realized that too earlier in the season. 
I remember during the summer when all the, the drama was kind of unfolding after the, the trade had been made and, and um, Devontae was saying like, hey, you know, the two quarterbacks are the same and they 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 play similar, but you know, Aaron Rodgers can put that extra zip on it. I'm thinking to myself, when you start the season and when the when you get in a real playing time situation, you are going to quickly figure out that this guy, no again, no disrespect to him at all, great quarterback, but he's not Aaron Rodgers, but right. vice versa. You know, Alan Lazard, you know, Christian Watson, they're not Devontae Adams. They're not. And so it's really you know, one drops off here, one drops off here. But over time, you would you would like to think that as each player continues to build chemistry with their particular, in, in Devontae's case, uh, building the chemistry in Las Vegas, and of course, Aaron Rodgers building that chemistry with his receivers in Green Bay, that things will get better. I just don't think any of us predicted that Green Bay would have the lack of success that they've had this year. I agree. I agree. And honestly, like like for me, I think we, we've seen it over the last four weeks, Wilton. Christian Watson, the rookie receiver, he's starting to come into his own. He's playing he way better. He's got a touchdown pass in the Packers' last four games. And I, before he got injured, I like the way Romeo Dobbs was playing. So I like the duo with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, you know, heading into next year. So may, maybe they can be better offensively because I don't think we're going to make the playoffs. I hope we can, a miracle can happen because I do think the NFC is wide open because anything could happen this year. But Honestly, I think I think the Packers, they have a team that could be successful next year because they still got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And I right. think that's the strength of their football team. I think right now I don't have the Packers making the playoffs. But to your point, I do have them being they, I, I do have them having the pieces that they need to make the playoffs next year. They're, this is not necessarily a team that lacks talent by no stretch of the imagination. Agreed. And I think that. Again, going back to that point of no one expected them to, to lack the chemistry issues. Everyone thought that the Aaron Rodgers that we've seen, uh, the MVP Aaron Rodgers that we've seen all these years is going to be the same Aaron Rodgers that we're going to see this year. And it just didn't work that way. Teams get better each year. Each year, I don't care how great you are. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Reese, any great quarterback, each year you have to continue to grow and get better because defenses are getting smarter. So what that means is when you talk about an Aaron Rodgers and the receivers that he has, that means like, okay, when defenses scheme for you, when they plan for you, they're not planning for Devontae Adams anymore. They know that Devontae Adams is an elite target. They know that they have to scheme for him different. They have to potentially double team him. Or if you're going to have that zone coverage over the top, you got to make sure that it's accounted for. That's not to say that the other wide receivers aren't going to be accounted for, but you may be able to win some of those one-on-one matchups um, or some of those zones, defenses that you have to, to deal with those receivers, but it's different. He's a sports writer at Sports Illustrated, host of the Red Diamond Report podcast. He is Wilton Jackson II. Wilton, let's talk about the NFL MVP real quick. I believe you got Mahomes, you got Hurts, you got Burrow, you, and you got Tua as well. Who is your NFL MVP so far this season? I think I'm torn between Hurts and Mahomes, and I okay. think that for me, I think it's going to come down to the remaining portion of the season. I really do. I think that if if Jalen Hurts continues to play at the level, the elite level that he's playing for the Eagles right now, and they go into the playoffs hot, continuing this streak, I think he has a really good chance to become the NFL's MVP. Um, in terms of Patrick Mahomes, he's going to be my close second. Um, obviously, most people, are, he's going to be in most people's, you know, uh, favorite to win the NFL MVP and, and rightfully so with the work in the body, the body of work in the stats that he's put together this year. But I think my candidate right now at this current point in the season would be Jalen Hurts. Last question on the NFL, Wilton. Give me your Super Bowl prediction. Give me your team that makes it from the AFC and the team that makes it from the NFC and who wins the Super Bowl. Who you got? 
I know it's hard, man. It's tough. It is. It's it tough, is. Man. Because what I have not mentioned to you in all of these questions is a curveball. And it, when I say it's a curveball, it's a curveball for many reasons. I, again, I'm a Saints fan, but I'm not going to deny and say that I'm not liking what I'm seeing from the Cowboys. It depends on how they finish the season, but I, 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 I like their chances if Dak Prescott is healthy. As long as he's healthy, yeah. as long as the offense is efficient, because I'm, I know Michael Parsons can impact a game alone by himself. Yeah, I know that. I'm not worried about their defense per se. I'm worried about if Dak is going to be the Dak that we always that we see that's consistent and is firing on all cylinders. But they ain't but been to, to, but to, go just ahead. the 90s though, Wilton. They been, it's been a while for them, man. Them brothers always come up short. In the, you know that every year in the playoffs, man, I see the Cowboys and I'm like. They gonna they go, they gonna come up short. They always come up short. That's all. That's all I wanted to say, man. They oh, always, no. which short. is which is why I won't put them as my favorite right now. Okay. So okay. for me right now, NFC. I'm gonna still. I'm gonna go with the Eagles. Okay. okay. That's gonna be my one uh, in the NFC. In the AFC, it's very tough, but I'm gonna stick with the team that I've been rocking with since the beginning of the season, and that's the Chiefs. Okay. But okay. I do feel like they can be booted from that over the next couple of weeks. Chiefs, Eagles. I love that. Jalen Hurts versus Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I would definitely love that. So let's switch gears. Well, let's talk about the NBA. So it's early in the season. The Celtics are 21 and 5, and they first in the Eastern Conference. They blew out the Phoenix Suns last night at one oh, point. Gosh, that was ugly. It, it was ugly. At one point, it was, <laughs> it was up 50. Um, they uh fresh off an NBA finals appearance. The Bucks are second in the East, led by Giannis, and just recently got back Chris Middleton. The Cavs, they got a great backcourt with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, and they third in the Eastern Conference so far this season. Who is your favorite in the Eastern Conference this year? Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Boston. And okay. I, I, I just love the fact of the way Jason Tatum continues to grow, man. Like, it, you, 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 people forget that when they made it to the level of success they had in the bubble, like, yeah. these, like J, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were really, really, really young. They were. Like, really young so to see them continue to grow and thrive like jason tatum is playing at an all-time high right now and granted last year it was boston's defense that was elite you know getting them those uh additional wins down the stretch because you know they had those they had issues where they struggled defensively defensively in the beginning of the season but then down the stretch going into the playoffs and then the finals defense was everything for them well this year it's been the three-point shooting i mean it's been lights out play from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And I, I, I like the chances with Boston right now. But I also like the fact of a team, I knew when Donovan Mitchell went to Cleveland, like I watched that matchup closely between them and the Lakers the other night. And okay. I, I, I like the way Cleveland has been able to, um, you know, I guess in a sense, remain relevant. Like granted, they had success last year, made the playoffs when they did. But I, I just love the fact that they're remaining relevant and Donovan Mitchell changes that whole franchise. And, I really think they could potentially make some noise. Now, granted, you know, that's not saying that they're going to win. I'm never, I'm not going to put them as the person, the team to uh, win the NBA finals. But at the same time, I like what they're doing so far in the season. And the season's for, still young. Yeah, for sure. Now, for me, Will, I'm more of a fan of players in the NBA, not teams necessarily. And yeah. I'm a fan of Jason Tatum. And I love the way Jalen Brown has ascended this year. And to your point, remember that that one year, they got to the conference finals against LeBron. Now, LeBron yep. beat them in seven games, but I thought the Celtics were the better team than the Cavaliers were. It's just the Cavaliers had the best player on the planet, and LeBron right. James wasn't going to go down. And I thought that was a great experience 
for Tatum and Brown. And to your point, they went to the bubble. They lost in the conference finals again that year to, I think it was Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. Because remember, the Miami would, yeah, they lost to them. And they have been knocking on the door for the last four or five years. And I thought last year, getting to the NBA finals, gaining that experience, going up against Steph and the Warriors, it's going to help the Celtics as we get later into the season and get close to the playoffs. Because I love, like you said, the way they can shoot the perimeter shots with Tatum, with Brown, they got White, they got Grant Williams as well. And at some point, they're going to get Robert Williams back. And he's a great rim protector for them. They have the perfect balance of scoring as well as role players that know how to play their roles. And I think that experience that they had playing against the Warriors, really just the playoffs last year in general, they had to go through a tough Eastern Conference stretch just to even get to the finals. So I think that experience is going to really help, you know, shape them as they continue to go throughout the season and even into this year's playoffs. I agree. Let's transition to the Western Conference. We got the Golden State Warriors. They struggled out the gate, Wilton, and 13 and 13 so far, 10th in the Western Conference. I like the way the Pelicans are playing. They are 16 and 8 on the season. And then you got the Suns at 16 and 9. And then you got the Clippers that still got Paul George and Kawhi. Nuggets still got Jokic and Murray. I think Luka is a top five player in the NBA. Who do you believe? are the favorites in the Western Conference. Well, right now, the way it looks, and you just alluded to it, I'm, I'm looking at the, the list of standings right now. You have the Pelicans at, at number one, the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Nuggets, and the sleeper team that everybody, I'm sure, is sleeping on is the Sacramento Kings, which I would sleep on probably the too. first two and a half, three weeks of the season. It's Me too. I mean, think about it. I always, when I hear about the Sacramento Kings or I think about the Kings, I think of all the legends that play for them. You know, the, the Peja Stajakovich, the, the Vladi Divac. Like, I'm thinking, like, yeah. that's the Chris last Weber. time in my mind yeah. that they were, like, truly, 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 re- you know, relevant. So yeah. to see them, you know, being in the spot that they are right now, again, very early in the season. But I like the pieces that they have. They have a young core that's constantly, constantly continuing to get better. But the one team I still feel like that's going to essentially make it to the finals uh, I know they started off rough, but I'm 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 still keeping my chances on the Warriors. Okay, I really am. Like okay. I I just cannot bet my money against Steph Curry. I can't. Okay, okay. You know, right now. I mean, now I will say this too, though. I am very intrigued by the Pelicans. I like I like the way that they're playing. I like the way that they move the ball. I love the way. Shout out to Zion yeah. for the way he came back. You know, being in a in, in a dominant space, and then some of the young players like Jose Alvarado, like people underestimate his ability like yeah. dude can go you know yeah. then you have uh Devontae Graham you know can also go uh Herb Jones like he he if, you know if I want somebody to defend on my team I want him on my team and then of course you know the, the obvious Brandon Ingram yeah a bucket can yeah. go get one at any point in time for sure for sure and I love they trio well, and I love Brandon Ingram, C.J. McCollum, and yeah. Zion Williamson. I love that trio. Yeah. And I think they definitely are sleepers in the Western Conference. I, I, I know I may surprise you with this one, Wilton. At some point, Kawhi and Paul George got to pull through, don't they? I mean, at some, po- at some point, the Clippers got to get to the finals and <laughs> finally win a championship for the Clippers organization. I mean, ain't that, don't it feel as if at some point it's going to happen? On paper, it sounds great. Agreed. It looks great, yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, until all of them can be on the court, it's almost kind of like, and I know this may not exactly look like this, but think about all the times, and I'm one included, that we thought the Nets would bounce back with all the injuries, whether it was when James Harden was still there, 
Kyrie was in, James Harden was in, Kevin Durant was in, uh, Kyrie and Irvin were out. Like, that's a team that I feel like until everybody is on the court at one time healthy, one through five, we won't ever really truly see what they're capable of. I agree. I, I agree, man. I 1,000% I, I agree with you. Who is your early season NBA MVP? I think I would have to go with Tatum. That's somebody that I have seen watch, or seen and watched continue to elevate right in front of me. You know, again, he was elite when he, uh, when you know, during those years when he, he battled against LeBron, when he went to uh, the level of success that he had in the bubble. And then last year, like I can remember telling myself, when Boston made it to the finals, or even just when they got to the Eastern Conference Finals, I said, at some point, based off what we've seen, we've seen from Jason Tatum, there's going to be some type of fall off. That's not to say he's not a great player, because he's an elite player, very yeah. elite. But I feel like there's going to be something, there's going to be some type of fall off. And he didn't fall off. I feel like every time I thought he was going to fall off, he continued to elevate. And I really hope that that's a trajectory that we're seeing that here's a star, literally, between him and Luka Doncic. I mean, oh my gosh. Like yeah. that, that would be my second person to be MVP, you know, for MVP status. Agreed. And, and, I, and I, I feel like this year, Will Tatum is playing with the chip on his shoulder because oh, you yeah. remember last year in the NBA Finals, he got outplayed by Andrew Wiggins. Let's call it what it is. Oh, he yeah. Got out, he got outplayed. And it's almost as if he's sending a message. Let me remind everybody who the hell I am. I still am one of the star players in the NBA, and I'm trying to position myself to get my team to an NBA Finals, and this time, we ain't going to come up short. That's kind of like the message that I'm getting from Tatum. Right, and I like that about Tatum. I like players that play with that grittiness. Yeah. You know, I like players that, that that have that chip on their shoulder that says, you know what, I have to come out here and prove it every night, night in, night out, that this is I'm the best player on the planet or one of the best players on the planet. It's also one reason why I like a team like the Grizzlies, John yeah. Morant. I love the way – is even though some people say you know he's gonna have to change and, and adjust his game and the NBA because he's fragile or whatever, but I love the way that he plays. I like the way that team plays. And so when you're somebody like Jason Tatum, that's someone that I just truly love the way that he that he he plays the game of basketball. He's a sports writer at Sports Illustrated, also host of the Red Diamond Report podcast. He is Will Jackson the second. Couple more questions for you. When I'm gonna let you go. Who do you believe is the greatest player of all time? Are you an MJ guy? Or are you a LeBron guy? I mean, who, who do you believe is the GOAT in the NBA, man? Who do you, Ooh, who you got? Geez. It's tough. Yes, indeed. That's the toughest of all questions tonight. You <laughs> say the best for last. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest player that I that I feel like I watched closely, to me, greatest player that I've watched closely would probably be Michael Jordan. Okay. Hands down. Like the the greatest player that I've watched, even like I said, I'm only 29 years old. So clearly he was doing, he was playing way before I was alive. I'm sure. I mean, in some years. And so it's just like, but even going back to watch tape, because I, I often go back and watch these older players who play like, you know, the Michael Jordans, the Elgin Baylors, you know, the Wilt Chamberlains, uh, all these players, Oscar Robertson, like these great players. It's just that in my mind, it's just hard to go against Michael Jordan. It is. Yeah. And, and, and even thinking about where Kobe sits in that, I look back at like Kobe film and, and really understand and realize like he truly emulated his game from yeah. Michael. He did. Every piece of the game yeah. he emulated from Michael. He did. And and, I, and honestly, Wilton, I when, like when I started understanding basketball, to me, Kobe was my goal. God rest his soul. Oh, absolutely. The Black Mamba was a five-time champion, two-time finals MVP, 
He won an NBA MVP in 2008. I believe that Kobe, you can make an argument that Kobe, this may sound crazy to some people, you can make an argument that Kobe was better than MJ. I've seen Kobe hit tougher shots than Jordan. I'm not saying he's better, but you can make an argument. And I think, you know, Kobe got to the final seven times. He got there seven times. Now, he lost twice, but he got there seven times. And you know, I, I I like them both. I'm not and I and I love LeBron. I'm not going. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give LeBron his oh, respect for yeah. sure. And but those are my three though. Will my three are Kobe, MJ, LeBron, best three players of all time to me. I think the greatest athlete that we've ever seen, literally, well, for me, in my opinion, I think LeBron LeBron for sure has to be that. You talk about a player that's been able to play as long as he has at yeah. the level as he has. Like I think, think about the way we saw Kobe go out. In 2016. Yeah. He was a he could still shoot the ball, you know. Yeah. He was on pretty much one leg in yeah. the process, you know, but he went out, he didn't necessarily go out at the top, but he yeah. was still he was still in our eyes, he was Kobe Bryant. Right. Michael Jordan. Right. I always think about the move that Allen Iverson put on him. Yeah. Before he went out the league, right? But you're looking at LeBron almost 40 years old. Let like 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 when I go to play pickup games. It's dudes in there that might be 35 and 40 years old that can't move like him. Yeah. This dude is moving as if he's like 19, 20, 21. Yeah. With ease. With ease. Man. With and ease. might be playing with his son. Yeah. Man, it's crazy. I agree with that. And I, that's one thing I give LeBron credit for. I always say, I don't think he's the GOAT. I don't think he's better than Jordan or Kobe. But I think LeBron, his longevity is something that Kobe and Jordan wasn't able to do. They were great, but they weren't. They didn't do it at an elite level as right. long as LeBron James did. I always say that and give LeBron, you know, his flowers for that specifically. For sure. For sure. One more question for you, though, before you get out of here, Wilton. We got Deion Sanders. You know everybody? Right. Everybody, yeah, I got to go there. Everybody, <laughs> everybody, you know, and I'm going to be specific here. Everybody in our community, they've been talking about Deion Sanders. Everybody got different opinions on Deion Sanders. He agreed to become the head coach at Colorado. He went 26 and five in three seasons at Jackson State. What is your opinion about the Deion Sanders situation? And do you believe that he did a great job in Jackson State in his three seasons while he was there? This is a very answer that's divided in like two or three different ways. But to answer your question specifically, did he do a good job in the three years that he was there? Absolutely. He did things that no other coach in JSU history has ever done. So that's in a whole basket by himself, basket yeah. by itself. There's never been an undefeated season in Jackson State football history. The last time this team, the last time Jackson State won back-to-back -back SWAC championships was in 1995 and 1996. Let that really, really sit in. Yeah. Before he got there, this was a team that was dormant, that had not won, had a winning season uh, since 2013. So what he was able to do in three short years. Oh, by the way, his first season, that spring 20, uh, 2021 season that was supposed to, that accounts for the fall 20 season due to COVID, um, they had a winning season then. And that, yeah. those were players that he had not even brought in yet, per se. You know, so yeah. he didn't really get his real teams at the court until fall 2021 and this season here. So what he was able to do, it's unquestionable. Like, you can't take anything away from what he was able to do. If he's not here, we may not have that success. Or Jackson State may not have that success. And I say we because I'm from Jackson. So to see that he was able to do that in a short matter of time, I think he's good on that part. I will say this. 
he did not necessarily have to come in when he took the job in September 2020 saying that, you know, God sent him here and, you know, I want to be able to change the landscape of, you know, HBCUs, get players from the NFL, from HBCUs, to, to be able to create a pathway from HBCUs to the NFL. So you did you do that? Uh, you helped out. You definitely did. You got James Houston into the league. You know, you got some other players, some some um, some other players, some looks in terms of getting uh, potential free agent deals and really playing professionally. So he did that per se. But I can tell you right now to the average fan, Jackson State fan, to the average HBCU fan, they feel disrespected. And to them, they they in, in, in such a way, when you listen to them talk, some of it is just based off of emotion. But then some of it makes some semblance of sense, too, though, because it's like. Had he just said, hey, I'm coming into this program at Jackson State University and I'm going to make sure that Jackson State wins back-to-back championships or they continuously win championships and we're going to get players to the league. Had he said that, check mark, yeah. checkmate, everything's good. You did exactly what you said. But there is a there there is a sentiment and emotion and a feeling that comes with students, alums, fans of HBCUs that when you tell them something, when you tell them that you're going to be motivated, dedicated, uh, determined to do it, do the job, knowing that HBCUs obviously have been known to not have the same resources as Power 5 programs um, and really just other institutions in general, you have to stand to that. When you tell them that you're going to do that, they expected that. And they also expected it to be longer than three years. Yeah, yeah. And I and I understand. This is one of those, before you go with them, this is one of those, I'm honestly, I understand understand both sides. I understand why there are people there are that are frustrated with Dion for leaving after three years, but I also understand the people that are saying, "Hey, life is about advancing. Life is Absolutely. about elevating." So he I would be, he would have been wrong to not take the opportunity, right? Right. But, but, but this is the thing, though, too. This is what I thought was crazy. I thought not crazy, but I kind of was like, "Really, Colorado?" And to me, to me, Wilton, I felt like if you go to Florida State, that's where you played at in college. I get it, but. Colorado was one eleven last year. It was one eleven, or this year they was one eleven. At like, I, I, I wasn't feeling Colorado. I wasn't. Well, think about it like this: two things. One, he came to a Jackson State program that wasn't a winning team at the time. Now, great history of winning. You know, yeah. obviously four Hall of Famers in the NFL from from Jackson State alone. Not even just talking about HBCUs, but just from Jackson State alone. So there's a tradition for winning at Jackson State. But him taking that opportunity to go to Colorado, one thing that I can say that I've realized about Coach Prime is that he loves a challenge, same way he was in the NFL. And so when you look at it from that lens, Colorado is a challenge. And I can truly say there are other programs, even before he got accepted uh, or given the opportunity at Jackson State, that he wanted to be at, but he didn't get it. And Jackson State gave him that opportunity. So now it's like Jackson State gave him the opportunity to become a coach. Well, now it's like, okay, You've been a coach for three seasons. It, we, we will really get a chance to see how well you can coach because now you're not at an HBCU anymore. You're not right. necessarily, um, you know, at a, how can I say this, more of a low, lower tiered program. You're at a power five program and they're expecting you to win right now. Just like Jackson State fans were expecting you to win right now. But the difference is your name is Deion Sanders. You're going to get those same players um, based off of your name that's going to come to your program. But here's the thing you still got for now, you still have the USC's that's going to get those same players. 
Yeah. Uh, UCLA is just going to get those same players. Arizona, Arizona State, Washington, Oregon. Like these other teams are going to be just as dominant as you are. Yeah. Agree. Agree. And, and, and I mean, I get it. Like I said, 26 and five in three years, they went 11 and 0. That's the first regular season where they went undefeated. He won a 2021 Eddie Robinson Award. And he, I think he had like a sponsorship with Pepsi. As oh, yeah, well. he, had a, he had a ton of sponsorships. He had a bunch of them. And then he had a I think he had a good relationship with American Airlines as well. Right. So they were they were traveling real well. So I, I guess not this I think sports and sports a lot. We can we debate and sometimes we want to pick a side. This is one where I truly understand both sides. I do, I get I get yeah. both sides of the spectrum. But we'll let everybody know where they can follow you. You can follow me on Twitter at Wilton Reports and on Instagram at Wilton Reports underscore Facebook Wilton Jackson. And yeah, man, like I'm really glad that you brought me on to your platform and, and, and giving me an opportunity to come onto your podcast. I really, really enjoyed this. We have to do it again. We got to do it again for sure. We'll not enjoy this as well. He's a sports writer at Sports Illustrated, host of the Red Diamond Report podcast. He is Wilton Jackson II. Thank you for joining me tonight, Wilton. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. For sure, for sure. Yeah, that's Wilton Jackson of the Red Diamond Report podcast. Great, great conversation with him. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter. At Wise Guys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to get into my NFL Week 14 Wise Picks. I'll be right back. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
And welcome back to the Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Before I get into my NFL Week 14 Wise Picks, I do want to discuss the Heisman Trophy presentation that's going to take place this weekend in New York. We got quarterback of the USC Trojans, Caleb Williams. Let's talk about Caleb Williams real quick. Caleb Williams for the season. He had 37 touchdowns. He was sensational. And I believe that a lot of people think that he's going to be the leading candidate for the Heisman Trophy. I mean, you look at what he's done so far this year leading USC. It's, it's really been nothing short of sensational for Caleb Williams for the USC Trojans. For the season, he has 37 touchdowns, four interceptions, 4,075 passing yards. He's completed 66% of his passes, QBR of 86.5. He has led the USC Trojans to a pretty good season. They, now they did lose to Utah in their conference championship game 47 to 24 they had a chance to make the college football playoff but I thought overall he did a good job this year he, he really really did a good job you look at that comparison to CJ Strout for Ohio State CJ Strout for the season he has 37 touchdowns six interceptions 3,340 passing yards QBR of 87.7 we know CJ Strout is one of the best quarterbacks at the collegiate level and he has led the Ohio State Buckeyes to an 11-1 record. And they are in the college football playoffs. They are the underdog going up against Georgia. But with C.J. Stroud at the helm, you never know what could happen for the Buckeyes in the college football playoff. C.J. Stroud is a Heisman candidate. We'll see if he can get it done. You got Max Dugan for the TCU Horn Frogs. 30 touchdowns, four interceptions, 3,321 passing yards he's completed 65 percent of his passes he has the horn frogs in the college football playoffs and like i was talking with tony earlier he's done a great job with leading this horn frogs football team he really really has he's gave it all that he's got and he has them in a position to possibly pull off the upset against the michigan wolverines we'll see what happens and he got stinson bennett 20 touchdowns six interceptions 3,425 passing yards on the season, completing 68% of his passes. I believe that the Georgia Bulldogs' defense deserves to be a Heisman candidate, more so than Stinson Bennett. But I like Stinson Bennett. He's a winner, and he plays well in big games. He really, really does. He did great last year on their playoff run. They beat Michigan, and then they beat Alabama in the national championship. But I think that Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman Trophy. I, I, I think Caleb Williams, what he's done with the USC Trojan football team and, you know, leading them this year in their conference and having them in position to possibly make the college football playoff before their loss to Utah was sensational. I mean, in the Pac-12, they've done a great job at 11-2 and two on the season. I got Caleb Williams winning the Heisman Trophy this weekend. Let's transition. Back to the NFL, and let's get to my 
NFL Week 14 Wise Picks. Right now, it's a game being played in L.A. We got the Raiders against the Rams. We got Derek Carr versus Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield got the start for the Rams tonight. So we got Derek Carr versus Baker Mayfield. The Raiders lead the Rams 13-3. They are in the second quarter of that game. But let's transition to Sunday's games. We got the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are favored by two points. It's a one o'clock kickoff in Pittsburgh. The over-under for this game is 37 points. This is an AFC North battle between two very physical football teams. Tyler Huntley is going to get the start for the Ravens. I don't understand why the why Vegas has the Steelers favored. The Ravens are a better football team than the Steelers are. I like Huntley more than I like the Steelers and their quarterback situation with Kenny Pickett. I'm going with the Ravens to beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. I'm going Ravens 21, Steelers 20. I do think it's going to be close. We got the Vikings in Detroit to take on the Lions. The Lions are favored by two points. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff. The over-under for this game is 52 points. I believe the Vikings are a better football team than the Lions are. I believe that Kirk Cousins is better than Jared Goff is. I'm rolling with the Vikings to beat the Lions in Detroit. I'll go Vikings 27, Lions 24. I think it's going to be close, but I think Kirk Cousins edges out Jared Goff. I don't know why Vegas has the Lions favored over the Vikings. Makes no sense. Those first two games, I don't understand how the Steelers or the Lions are favored over the Ravens and Vikings. Makes no sense. Jaguars in Tennessee. The Titans are favored by four points. It's a one o'clock kickoff in Tennessee. The over-under for this game is 41 points. This game is going to be much closer than people are anticipating. I believe that the Titans are a more physical football team than the Jaguars are, but I do believe that the Jags keep this game close. I'm going Titans 23, Jaguars 20. The Eagles, favored by six and a half points, are in New York to take on the Giants. It's a one o'clock kickoff. The over-under for this game is 45. I believe that the Eagles are a better football team than the Giants are. I believe Jalen Hurts is better than Daniel Jones is. So I think that the Eagles get it done in New York. I'm going Eagles 28, Giants 17. Jets at Bills. It's an AFC East matchup. The Bills are favored by 10 points. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff in Buffalo. The over-under for this game is 43.5 points. I'm going to roll with the Jets in an upset over the Buffalo Bills Yes, I'm going Jets, J-E-T-S, over the Bills. I'm going Jets, 20, Bills, 17. I love that Jets defense. I picked them last week against the Vikings. They weren't able to get it done. I think they're going to get it done against the Bills this week, though. I'm going Jets, 20, Bills, 17, AFC East battle. Major, major playoff implications for this game. This is my biggest spread of the week and the Cowboys are in Dallas to take on the Houston Texans. The
The Cowboys are favored by 17 and a half points. It's a one o'clock kickoff in Dallas. The over-under for this game is 44 points. I'm not going to spend too much time on this game. The Cowboys are a much, much better football team than the Texans are. I'm going Cowboys big in this one. I'm going to go Cowboys 31, Texans 10. Patrick Mahomes is mad. The Chiefs are favored by nine and a half points over the Denver Broncos. It's a 405 kickoff in Denver. The over-under for this game is 44. I'm going to roll with the Chiefs to beat the Broncos. I'll go Chiefs 35, Broncos 14. Another disappointing loss for Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Panthers are in Seattle against Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are favored by three and a half points. It's a 425 kickoff in Seattle. The over-under for this game is 44 points. I believe that the Seahawks are a playoff team in the NFC. As a Packers fan, I pray the Panthers pull this off and upset the Seahawks, but I can't see it happening. The Seahawks will win this game. I'll go Seahawks 20, Panthers 13. Patriots at Cardinals. It's a battle in Arizona. The Patriots are favored by one and a half points. The start time for this game is 8-15. The over-under for this game is 43 and a half. This game really doesn't really mean much to me, but I think that the Patriots get it done over the Cardinals. I'll go Patriots 21, Cardinals 18. Browns at Bengals. It's a one o'clock kickoff in Cincinnati. The Bengals are favored by five and a half points. The over-under for this game is 46 and a half points. Joe Burrow is 0-4 against the Cleveland Browns. I think Joe Burrow and the Bengals get their first dub over the Browns in the last four games. I believe Joe Burrow outplays Deshaun Watson. I'm rolling with the Bengals to beat the Browns at Paycar Stadium. I'll go Bengals 27, Browns 23. My Packers have a bye this week, so this week I don't have to sweat for these games. So I can watch these games and, and not have my heart in the middle of it. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Enjoy NFL Week 14. Enjoy the Heisman Trophy Ceremony Saturday night in New York. I'm Trey Larkin signing out the Worldwide Sports Network. Have a great weekend. Chris These Guys No Sports. Wise Guys. These Guys No Sports. Wise Guys. Chris, 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 Chris,